0: It's all fun and games until Space Suck shows up to go take you on a real bummer of a field
1: trip. It's, need you please, a heinous trip at Warp 5. My name is Joseph. It's all fun and games. Until you get blown out a fucking hole where the roof used to be. And suck into (laughs) the cold grip of space. I'm your co-host, Peter. Let's not do too much dicking around here, Peter. What did we watch this week? We're into Season 3, Episode 18. Azadi Prime first aired March 3rd. 2004 teleplay by Manny Cotto recently passed RIP. Pour one out. Yes. rest in peace, Manny, man. How crazy that like this dude just popped up on our radar like three weeks ago and he, he died,
0: died young, too, in his 60s. Sad, sad to see
1: story by Rick Berman, Bram Braga, and Manny Cotto directed by Alan Croker.
0: Well, this episode absolutely fucks and it
1: fucks loud (laughs) this is amazing it has been i had completely forgotten that i could really uh give a shit about enterprise and reach the end of an episode cliffhanger and be like oh man i like i had to stop myself from watching the next one i was pissed that it was a fucking two-parter i was like you know sometimes too like two-parters will like fuck around the first half and like Just basically waste time, and then the episode starts at about like twenty five minutes in. And this thing, I thought the pacing was really good the entire way through on it. Dare dare I say, was it was riveting? (laughs) Yes. Yeah, it
0: was. I mean, I've seen it. It's been a a while since I've seen it, but I was like you, man. I was like, fuck, I want to just like let's keep going. (laughs) (laughs) Like, who
1: was it? Jamie? Who was like, I just watched all season. I just ate it all. I'm like, oh, I remember why. You know what? You're right. I remember I she's right.
0: Yeah. And if I it.
1: wasn't on a uh a deal meal program over here watching Trek's on a very set schedule, yeah, man. I I'd probably have finished off the rest of the fucking season. There's what, how many more to go on uh season three? Because if we're on eighteen, there's probably what, twenty-six? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, you're a hop skip away from the, the the end of the sky. Yeah, so so-
0: uh, just at the top, all of the acting in this is good. Every actor actually manages to put in a good performance, uh, especially from your key trio. Right. There's real focus on, on them as usual, but they're very effectively used in independently interesting ways throughout the episode and in high quality performances. Effects are good. You know, dated. Sure. Mm. Basic. Absolutely. But they try. Mm. They put effort in. They try to make
1: it work. No, there is one. They saved a lot of money on Hatchery with the 640 by 480 resolution graphics they were using in that thing. I thought that the visual effects in this are on the better end overall of what we've seen in Enterprise Mm -hmm. with a few key scenes that looked like straight up movie theater grade specifically like the big attack where like enterprise really gets its ass handed to it at the end, there's a flyby shot before the uh, people get sucked out. It's actually the one where people do get sucked out into space. I think if that was spliced into first contact, you would not have, uh, it it would have looked about the same quality.
0: I mean, it's hard to miss that shot, right? They definitely spent some time. I'm just saying like the lighting, the textures, like that is a great
1: shot. Mm
0: hmm. I mean, I still think it looks a little dated. It's hard not to look dated when you're 20 years past when you made the damn thing, but it still looks good. And they put in a lot of effort to make it look good. Uh, The music, again, sinister, dark, some synth. Uh, Just the overall tone felt very Battlestar Galactic-y, right? Like Raggedy Edge trying to pull a fucking stunt here. Uh, All the characters are just playing it very straight. Uh, You you buy the tension that's present in all of their conversations. This episode is good, and it is enterprise firing at all of its cylinders. It's like, this is how good this show can be right here.
1: So we pick up. There is several key previous episodes in play, and that's going to sculpt how the plot goes down here, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, If you're going to go into this episode... Your mandatory viewing is going to be uh, Hatchery. It's going to be what was the Gaslight episode?
0: Yeah, it's going to be the episode where they get the help from the Andorans and Andorians, and they the follow-up episode from that when they capture Degra. You need right. all those. You need the bioweapon episode where they. You need Rajin because that's where that thread starts. Then you need the episode where Space Duck gives them the mission to go back to Detroit because that all gets mentioned. <sighs> yeah, I mean, like this—it's it's pulling all the threads in. It's hey, it even mentions the uh, kind of recalcitrance they have over having built the probe to begin with, and that it had a a, a lizard
1: Z- Zindy in it. So that was from last season. Um, but really, the Degra gaslighting escape room is. The, the biggest one here and I'm so happy that this episode was as good as it was and relied on that escape room episode as much as it did because that escape room episode was already good on its own and it being such a strong resource to this one like that's the power of a good Trek episode or even a bad Trek episode is if you something down the road can can make callback to it, it really makes it worth the time. And and I appreciate that. So basically, they know where this weapon is being developed, the red binary star because of the Degra escape room uh, fake out. Correct. They've gotten over to the. Oh, also the. uh, is it chosen Realm? Is that the one where they encounter the space prisoner? Floating around it's the in one the slime. after
0: that. Chosen Realm was the one where the space Al-Qaeda shows up.
1: Right. Was it? Gosh,
0: it was the open. one where Paul and Trip fuck. And it was the B-plot in that episode. I forget the name of it, but uh, that's the one where they meet the sphere person who's Harbinger. a, a Harbinger. bad guy. And so here they are now. They've arrived at Azadi Prime, which is the system where this is being built. It is packed, jammed, packed with Zindi starships and technology and detection grids. And it's like, OK, well, this is clearly fucking it. <laughs> this is their home. This is their base. Uh, what do we do? Planet Zindi blew up, what, 30 years ago? No, I think it was 70. It was something like like a full generation or
1: or so ago. Sometimes like, Zindi resources are indicated to be stretched thin. You know, they're building a fucking Death Star. It's not going up overnight. It seems to be a real concentrated effort. I have a super hard time with this satellite detection grid that they've effectively made a detection sphere around an entire fucking solar system. Right. I mean, and that's.
0: It's over at least part of it, right? I don't know if it's over the whole solar system, but it's over like where this thing's being built in the surrounding planetoids. It's got
1: to be a lot. How many did she put a number on how many satellites there were? It's a lot. You're right. But, you know, I buy it. Sure. They built detection satellites. There will be bigger plot holes to exploit later on. I'm sitting there and I'm asking myself like, okay, What is Enterprise's end goal really going to be here? Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I think to frame this episode accurately. Enterprise knows Archer knows that he is not going to be able to permanently stop the Zindi and the short term goal here that they have is to destroy the Death Star now. And then run away and tell Earth, hey, we know where they're at, and then it's going to be full on intergalactic war, right? Right. Like stop the immediate threat. And then buy
0: yourself the time necessary to build up the forces to, to come back and take care of this problem.
1: Because, you know, they're trying to exterminate you. The premise has been that Earth got attacked by the probe. Uh, you know, millions of people died. Starfleet recalled all of its ships to basically reinforce Earth. And the only proactive effort that we are aware of at this point is Enterprise and Enterprise is only out there because Archer said, I have a hunch. Let me take my crew and go investigate. So the question is, at what point does it become appropriate for Enterprise to say, like, you know what? We got a good shot at this. Start sending fucking help. And the fact that they laid down communication buoys like. Sometimes they can talk to. To Forrest, Right. Yeah, we've seen that they are able to communicate with them in some fashion. And it was, what, a three or four month trip? Yeah, it's took them weeks just to get to the border, and they've been in the expanse for, for months after that. I really think it... I, Jesus, at what point, if we want to look at episodes here, should Archer have realistically been like, we got a really good shot at being preemptive on this, send the fucking cavalry. And I would say... Gosh, where would you put it? Which one was the shipment? Well, I think
0: this is the one, personally. Like y- Until you actually find the fucking thing, <laughs> you really can't call for help, right? Like- I would
1: say Stratagem would have been the right time. And let's pull Stratagem up for here for a minute. In-character universe, Azadi Prime is happening January of 2154. And Stratagem, which is when they put Degra in the gaslight uh, escape room that was December 12th 2153 so less than a month but yeah I, I'd say like listen uh, we know where this fucking thing is at start send the fucking crews out here because shit's gonna get for real for real and that's where they're at now hey we are one starship we see the bad guys we see the base and we cannot fly through this detection grid because All of them will know where we are and they will come gang fuck us. Uh, How how do we do this? Well, luckily for us, Archer was crazy, was baby crazy (laughs) for an episode in Hatchery and gave us a lot of opportunity to harvest uh, resources from a crashed insectoid ship, which lo and behold, guess what we got in the cargo hold?
0: Yeah, got ourselves a little insectoid ship, which we're going to use to get through the grid. They hide behind a planetoid that becomes important later. And we do get a shot of Degra with his his guys, you know, toasting with champagne. Yes, we've built a Death Star, but let's not be too cocky because we are murdering people. Um, Degra continues to kind of be on this sort of edge of, is he a good guy or bad guy? Is he just pragmatic? Is he just protecting
1: his people that they've tried to paint for him? I really like Degra. Even before they get deeper into this episode, like coming out of stratagem, which was the real introduction to him as a person, uh his family, the conflict, he has already gotten to go through a lot of grieving and remorse uh under the pretense that it you know it was twenty years in the future or whatever, and that things had gone south, uh, and he further reinforces it, so we know what he is capable of we know that there is a good guy in there somewhere. There's at least someone with reason and morality,
0: which is, you know, a, a complex choice for who is essentially your villain, right? Like Dagor's trying to exterminate all of humanity. He's well, the bad guy.
1: The he's, fucking he's reptilians not, are very clear. He's not the back.
0: worst guy. That is the reptilians and the insectoids, <laughs> but he's a bad guy. Yeah. But he is a bad guy whom you can see can be convinced that he is the Doing something bad and can stop right. That's the whole intention.
1: Let's call him an antagonist because I think when we say bad guy, especially in Star Trek, that means that you are acting bad and that you are actually bad and usually along the lines of being stupid as well. Right? That's fair enough. Antagonist. That's, so, so he is an antagonist right now. Um, and again, me not having watched any of this, I know that Shran's going to end up being an important good guy and shran has done antagonistic things already i don't know what's going to happen with the zindi ultimately and based on how this episode ends up i wouldn't be surprised to see if the uh you know zindi primates end up in starfleet somehow anything is possible and that's a cool thing about this episode is who knows how this is going to fucking go down but right now the game plan is going to be hey we've got this zindi insectoid ship Let's figure out how to fly it. Uh, we're going to hide behind this planetoid. Also ridiculous. All these fucking satellites and they don't have the long range sensors to see that Enterprise dropped into the sector.
0: Well, I think I like that they they're re- they don't. So that's why they end up building what we find out is a communications array. A manned communications array on the planetoid so that they can check to see if someone's hiding behind it. Uh, it makes a lot of sense that that's there. And the first the first issue that pops up is they get made by that array and they have a limited window in which they can choose to destroy it and prevent them from sending a message that informs home base that they're present. And Archer's uh, he's, and he's good in this. Everyone's good in this. And so real critical moment for him in the episode is when he makes a very quick decision, but a very firm decision to destroy that uh, structure and kill everyone there.
1: Nukes it from orbit because it's the only way to be sure. I was shocked. (laughs) Paul tries to push back and she's like, dude, really? And he's like, fucking do it. Like, I know I just. (laughs) I know I just wasted like three days and half our fucking antimatter hatching bug babies, but. I got to make up for all that lost time. Not with some quick murder. I just going through the the options. He could have disabled the communications array. He could have set down a boarding party to like. It's only three of them down there to, to, you know, hostage them. He could have just beamed them up into the fucking brig. There is a lot of options. So uh, I think to Paul being a little flabbergasted, like, Wait, what? Justified? I'm not saying Archer's wrong, but I'm just saying, like, dude glossed over some very uh, Star Trek 101 options here. Let's just hope they were bugs, right? Who she is working
0: out a way for the bug language to be uh, have a translation matrix. So she she's not in the episode very much, but you and I, I think both kind of picked up the one scene that she does have is very effective in that it's basically Paul sweating her over the time it's taking her to do this. And she just doesn't really respond to the pressure because she's too busy, like on two computers trying to get like the, the machine to say, hey, nice to meet you or something like that. Some real basic and it's super complex, like clicks and hisses and. And uh, it's her kind of flexing onto Paul to be like, this shit is hard. This shit is
1: hard and it takes time. Why don't you pack the fuck up and let me get my fucking work done. I think now's a good time to have the conversation. We have not seen this show in a long time because what this episode is, is a show from the first two seasons where that's Jonathan Archer uh, trip to Paul and also everybody else. There's no Makos in this. Correct. Uh, there's no other. Hey, I'm going to poke my head in crewman, whatever. Uh, Degra's out there doing his thing. You know, there's there's Legion of Doom scenes away from Enterprise. But the majority of this is the crew of Enterprise facing a dilemma and everybody being involved in the process. Mayweather gets a lot of screen time and they use Mayweather phenomenally, I thought in this. Agreed. Uh, Reed, Flox, Hoshi, they're not in it a lot, but what they are in there for is all within what their characters should be. All the acting feels good. And this is uh, a Star Trek crew episode that shouldn't really stick out like a sore thumb, but it is because we haven't seen this in a very long time.
0: They always knew how to make the show. They've made this show many times. You know, that's that's the the whole point of the Berman era. But it felt like a lot of old energy suddenly was coursing through the production. And maybe that is because Manny Cotto was the one that wound up actually doing the teleplay. Right. The ideas came from Berman and Braga and as well as him. But in the end, when it went to paper to be produced, he's the one that was was doing that. And they're his touch on this script is I think where a lot of the difference gets made because what's one of the first things we find out after you know, they go, they, they do their initial mission.
1: Well, uh, before we get to that too. All right. So we want to get over there. We've got the bug vessel. We need to learn how to fly it. That's a big problem. You've got Mayweather and you've got trip down there trying to figure out how this thing works. Mm-hmm. It's hard to pilot. Archer will even say later on, like, I think that, this ship was designed for someone that has a, what refractive lenses for eyes. Yeah. Insects like four arms and insect eyes. Um, still. The only thing I can fucking focus on is the interior cabin lighting, which is very clearly a light from home Depot. This wavy <laughs> fucking three light job. That looks yeah, like
0: grab the off the shelf stuff. When you only get like $600 to build the set.
1: And it's infuriating too, because this, fucking set piece has become such a big deal like could it just been recessed lighting I I didn't have to see the fucking lamp from my friend's bathroom Um, but hey you know what if we get made we got to have the translation matrix all these concerns because this is supposed to be a stealth op right they're going solid snake on this thing Mm -hmm. luckily they've got this insectoid ship to try and slip through this detection grid unnoticed. Joe, what else they got in that cargo hold? What would have been another great alternative to this insectoid vessel? I'm not remembering. What's in there? Oh, well, if you go to the Enterprise uh, impound lot, we also happen to have a Sulubon cell vessel.
0: Oh, Jesus! (laughs)
1: that's small and maneuverable it has a cloaking device didn't they drop that back off at earth though they would have they i don't know nobody said jack fucking shit i would think that if i was jonathan archer and i had fucking hypertech cloaking device things that could just hammer the absolute dog shit out of us that i would have mentioned it to my boss and if my boss was also me and had two fucking brain cells, I'd say, you stop doing what you're doing right now. You come home and you give me that goddamn alien UFO. All right. We're going (laughs) to, the United (laughs) Earth. I want to make all of my ships
0: fucking invisible. Jonathan. Why, why why else not? Why why else would I fucking
1: want it? The, 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 the new United Earth military industrial complex needs this. We're going to area 51, this thing. Also, keep in mind, those cell ships are faster than fucking enterprises, too. So I, they've never mentioned this thing after it got used on planet Warhammer. Uh, which What was that? The one where Reed loses his communicator. But I assume it's still in the fucking cargo hold. So big miss here that they didn't just fl- massive fucking plot hole. And I don't maybe I don't blame Maddie Koto because you didn't even fuck remember the thing. too. But I'm sitting there watching like dick around with this insectoid vessel. I'm like. You're gonna fly in something that's not Starfleet, like get the good stuff, man. What are you doing? Use that DLC you've been sitting on. Listen, that, that item had to be deleted because it was there because of hacks. So uh and <laughs> that was a dupe.
0: That got nerfed. Mayweather and uh uh trip do manage to pilot the ship successfully to the planet. And what they find, of course, is that the Death Star is being
1: built underwater. Badass. Yeah. Like, what a flex.
0: And does that they, mean the
1: seal world, like, manatee people are like the bulk labor?
0: It makes sense, though, that, that they are helping make the fucking thing. And if you want them to help make the fucking
1: thing, it better be underwater. <laughs> it's, it's like, where should, why should it be underwater? It's where we live, insectoids. We don't have to use repulsor lift to, like, you know, float around and construct this thing. We can just swim up there. Now, what's interesting, and I would have liked it if, like, the memory alpha had anything worth a shit, which surprise it doesn't. And that's, again, very telling that one of the best episodes we've watched and there's nothing, fucking nothing in this thing. I'm looking at the uh, thumbnail in memory alpha. It's the Death Star sitting in its like cradle underwater and the water's all green. And I'm like, God, what if that's all just like antifreeze and and fucking industrial (laughs) blight just leaking out of this poisoning?
0: It is is not a healthy area. This is an environmental hazard. This is a brownfield waiting to happen. And (laughs) They get all the way up in it. They're like, make get some scans, get out. And they're like, what if we scan the inside and then leave? <laughs> and they do it. They, like, get into traffic and scan everything. And they're like, all right, let's get the fuck out of here. And you see them back in Enterprise, like, just cut to the point. Yeah, they were successful. And you get to one of the best scenes in the episode straight away. And that is, we piece together that this thing, in fact, has a thermal exhaust port. They can, in fact, get up in it, and all it's going to take is a payload of a couple photon torpedoes. Blow this bad boy sky high. And that means you can just put a couple on this insectoid ship, get close, blow them up, and that's
1: it. Mission complete. We did it. Yeah, it's like uh, Call of Duty. Just throw a couple bricks of C4 on the front of your Jeep and just drive back over to that thing. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. There's a
0: complication.
1: Yeah, that means someone ain't coming back. And unfortunately, you don't have another sea slug to sit around for a week to grow a, a dummy driver to, like, go suicide run that thing, which, boy, if that option was levied on the table, wouldn't that be fun? Make a quick copy of Mayweather with all of his knowledge
0: and skills. Mm-hmm. What is my purpose? To, to fly the suicide bomb. Seriously, you made me just to be a fucking <laughs> suicide bomber. Yes.
1: Well, you're going to do it or not. So, what you want to let the Makos have it? You want the Mako to be the hero? Come on.
0: I love the scene because it starts with the revelation, and then very quickly, Mayweather's like, Listen, I'm the one who's on a pilot. I clearly needs to be the one to do this. That's just practical. Trips like, no, I should be the one to do this. I know just as well as you do. we learned how to do it together. And I'm the senior officer. So if it should be anyone, it should be me. And then Archer just puts it into the discussion and be like, yes, and I'm the captain. Guess whose responsibility this ultimately is? You, you're teaching me how to run this thing. You, you know, get the torpedoes ready. We're, let's go. We're doing this. It's Archer fulfilling the captain role probably better than he has as- on the show. Yeah. Period. When's
1: the last time Archer was really good? It was a big deal. It was a good episode. I'm I'm, I'm disappointed in myself. I can't remember the last one. Where we were like, this is what Archer should have this been. stuck
0: out so much as a good entry for him that it kind of overrode any reaching we were doing to try and paint Archer in a better light. Like this actually demonstrates him as a good captain.
1: Great captain.
0: Yeah. Like immediately says No. This is definitely the right call, and that means I have to be the one to do it. The ship can be led by my very capable crew. I do not have to be here for this to succeed. And yeah, that is the ideal of the heroic Starfleet captain that Star Trek has long since maintained, that the servant leadership requires self-sacrifice. You cannot ask your your crew to do something you're not willing to do yourself, particularly when it seems like it's the right call for you to do it, because you need Travis to fly Enterprise home, You know, you need Trip to maintain the engines. They're not, they're not expendable in the way you are, you know, to Paul, Trip, the rest of them, they can get the ship home.
1: They can provide the leadership necessary. I forget at what point the conversation happens, but Archer gets to fill in some reasoning as to why he's doing this. Uh, Again, great continuity, Uh, similitude. You know, I ordered flocks to create a copy of my best friend to die. I just made the order to nuke a base full of people from orbit. Um, I'm not giving any more orders for people to die. This this is on me now. Right. Perfect. Like
0: I I did like he noted specifically about similitude where he said
1: I was there when he was killed to save your life because he says it's a trip. By the way, like this is the speech, which shows that now. there's still guilt. I mean, then that was a great episode for Archer, too, and that that act tore him apart. This dude's carrying baggage. Um, There's a really good there's so many good scenes in this. Like, I, I can't say which one's my favorite. He gets the crew together to basically say uh farewell. I'm proud of you. Um, Look w- how far we've come. This isn't the reason we're supposed to be out here. We're supposed to be explorers. Hopefully, after this is all done, you guys can get back, you know, back to doing what we're supposed to do, which has only been touched on a few times. Like the first time they encounter the spheres. No, no, they didn't actually. And that was a big miss there. Was that that? Yeah, that was our th-
0: headcanon, is that he reflected on like boy, I'd spend two months here, mm-hmm. but I can't. We've got too many
1: things to do. Uh but I'm not happy about the role we've been asked to fill here. Um, this is how life is going go and, and to go, and I'm going to have to go in and fucking do my part to, to stop this from happening. Uh, you know, of all the people that are going to sit in the seat, nobody is prouder of their crew than I am right now. And that was pretty powerful knowing that, like, you know, what's to come for Archer and the captain's chair of the Enterprise overall. Followed up by an even better scene, which is to Paul confronting him in the hallway. Well, in the midst
0: of all this, there is an important revelation. It happens relatively early as the as the farewells go on. And that is he gets in the turbo lift and then he gets plucked out of space and time by S- Space Zuck himself, Agent he gets, Daniels.
1: He gets time zucked. Yeah.
0: So time, he gets time zucked and he finds himself, per Daniels on another ship in another time, specifically, this is the 26th century. This is 500 years in the future. And they are on the USS
1: enterprise J. So we ended in the card on the 2401. No, 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 but, but letter wise. So the E is destroyed. Mm -hmm. The F is destroyed, presumably, Mm -hmm. or at least retired. Uh, there's the G, so you got G H I J. So those those three ships better last a long fucking time, man. <laughs> it's true. The J was at the end of its service life. But <laughs> they pulled this out of mothballs. The
0: The battle is called uh ProyCon 5, that is presently fought out the window. And Daniels explains you. Captain Archer, you cannot kill yourself. You cannot go do this. And you suddenly get context for what's going on this season. And that is the future that is supposed to happen is that the Federation, a thing that does not exist yet, but you're critical to making, is going to show up in this part of space when the sphere builders try to emerge into our dimension and wipe out all life in the galaxy and in doing so, obviously, kill the Zindi. But it will be the Federation that is successful here. They will drive the sphere, sphere builders back. And in fact, this very crew is has Zindi members in it. So they become part of the Federation at some point in the future. And your death will prevent that from happening. So you cannot suicide mission on this. That is not an option. And actually, this is probably the best scene Space Zuck has been in because he gets into an argument with him where he's saying you can go and blow up their shit their death star if you want they're just going to build another one
1: you have to go talk to them this is the most forthright that time zuck has been with archer as well um I mean, this guy has no fucks to give for the space time continuum contaminating the past or anything else, you know, the Federation archers like, well, you say the Federation, but oh yeah, well, that's you, the Vulcans, the Andorians, like um any, yeah. <laughs> any uh, any illusion that you as the audience might have that like Archer was going to found the Federation on his own volition. That's right out the fucking window. Now, like this dude's just, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy at this point. After what the fucking hookup, I'm not, I won't tell you what the Romulans are when we're stranded on, you know, the future ruin of earth. But here, this is what the fucking composition of, uh, the
0: Federation Federation is
1: the government. You're going to form, you know, by the way, this is how you make a fucking photon cannon, you know, here you want to know about the Genesis device. Let me tell you about that too. Um, Archer, on the other hand, real close minded. Archer knows how these uh time pockets work. He went to Detroit, where he had a whole adventure and then arrived back in time at the exact moment he was stepping out of uh, the room. It just basically like spun around, right? Mm-hmm. So he knows he could sit there and talk to this guy for fucking two weeks. He's not losing any real time. It, so he has a sense of urgency, which is understandable because he has just consigned himself to die. And like, he's trying to keep himself psyched up, but he knows he's got the time to bullshit. And unless he has a self annihilation impulse, which we know he likes head injuries, but I don't think he's actually suicidal, right? So the fact he's not willing to indulge uh, or even like spitball ideas with time zuck in this moment is kind of silly and he sticks to his guns with a, a veracity for violence that we've never seen. And it's a big step back, especially after... What's the one where he spares the orboros? Oh, the I know one. Yeah. And Hatchery, too. Like, part of that certainly was the... The, the persuasive uh, facial yeah, he, took. he was he was on drugs there he was on hormones yeah but I still think that you would have seen some degree of like let's try and help him if we can the- uh, so, so him being like no, the only option is to suicide kill. Everything, including myself. I think it makes sense though, because we've already
0: been told from Daniels that none of this is supposed to be happening at all. So he's already got kind of a distrust of him saying what the future is going to be like, obviously that's mutable second. You, no one likes to be told they don't have agency. No one likes to be told like, no, this obvious shot at this you're, you're going to take is not right. Like when he's pretty dedicated to the idea and third, he's trying to punish himself. So, you, you know, he's bought in for that reason as well. <sighs> yeah he's like he thinks he deserves to die, so he's trying to to make it happen
1: and that's the only part of this that can kind of hold water for me because if it was just, hey, I've got a low risk play that's gonna have a big payoff, I'm gonna go for it despite what you say, but when it's like, dude, you gotta go on a fucking suicide mission, you gotta die, and I'm telling you, do not do that thing. there are other options that, that you need to <coughs> explore <sighs> Um, I did like that. Well, I don't know if I like it. So. In the temporal Cold War, there is Time Zuck and whatever version of the Federation or Time Cops he represents. There is Mr. X. Who has been um, puppeting the Sulaban. Correct. Uh, and then the interphasic. extraplanar. The, the sphere builders correct inserted themselves after the fact and that's what's thrown time zuck through a loop is that this was just supposed to be mr x in the Suluban that he was dealing with and then the sphere builders came in out of nowhere
0: and because they exist in another plane of existence the things that they're doing are not in linear in time in the same way that you would expect right the 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 timeline is being kind of mutating around having to deal with them. And so they're showing up in the 22nd century and the 26th century or 27th century.
1: So basically. We liked the temporal Cold War plot of season one and season two, but we wanted to uh, make it more dangerous. So we dogpiled sphere builders ultimately into. That temporal Cold War. Um, it's cool. Uh, I like the 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 little bit of time they spend on the uh J. Ultimately it's a tease because they're just in some bullshit observation deck. You don't get to see bridge or uniforms or anything else that you want to see as a Star Trek fan, which for Berman area that's a real uh blue ball move. <laughs>
0: Can't even have just one crappy thing with like a Holiday and
1: Express name tag there or whatever. Yeah. But in the end, time looks like, just think it over. Uh, here's a little memento. One of the crew members on the ship is a Zindi primate. And this is his, you know, fucking family heirloom pog. This is a slammer. This is an important one. <laughs> the he's go for good money on eBay. I'm I'm going to give it to you. You know, this is how much we trust you to Paul then has his the scene you were referencing before with Archer when he gets back
0: from this which I think is why it's important because she's suddenly like you shouldn't go do this you we should study this time travel is real
1: she's copping to that finally at last after three seasons being stuck in fucking detroit with uh fast food subplots has disabused me of the notion that time travel isn't real and as the scene goes on, we finally
0: see a turn into Paul. And again, Jolene Blalock does a great job in this episode. And this is kind of where that starts. And that is, she just goes, blurts out to Archer, I don't want you to die. I don't want you to die. That's the reason why I don't want you to go to, on this mission. It is very emotional, very to the point. There's emotion in her voice. There's emotion in her expression. And Archer like catches like how odd that is that that has just happened, Right. Like you are, you're, you're, you're just actually concerned, right? And it broke through all of your Vulcan conditioning, you know,
1: and. So one way for Archer to look at it, another way for Archer to look at that is saying, <clears throat> you should not have had that emotional outburst. Um, you might be going space crazy. And I don't know if I should be leaving my ship in your hands if you are the one who's taking turn eating crazy pills this episode so maybe you just really care about me so much that it surpassed your logical uh hardwiring. and because i am a egotist i'm gonna (laughs) choose to believe that's the truth but more realistically i i think you are in a bad place and that you are mentally unwell and i i don't know you've been sick a lot this these past three years. Maybe need to go in the decontamination room and I should leave Trip in charge. She's not able to talk him down. And and I I do like that. She's like, listen, I guess she doesn't say, you know, it's illogical, but like. This feels bad. This feels awful. You've even had time. Zuck tell you this is not the thing to do. Can we please just discuss alternatives?
0: Archer is not going to be convinced. He then has the speech where he talks about you know, I've caused a lot of people to die. It's my turn. with who's that with? Uh Mayweather? I think that's with Trip. Oh, is it no, it is with Mayweather. You're right. It yeah. is with Mayweather. Because Mayweather's the only one who has balls to ask. He said he's well used in this episode where he's like, all the people on this ship, we got backups. We don't we don't have another captain. Why are you doing this? Like, boss, what's up? Well, it's my only chance to ask this question, right? Like, You're why my new are space you space do- dad? Yes. And he goes, Well, sign death warrants, man. Like I I gotta I gotta take my t- turn at it. That's just what's just, and I think it, it's it's good for Archer's character. It actually makes you care about what his decision making, what he's doing.
1: I gotta and do it for action, Grandpa. <laughs> <laughs> Before
0: he dies of autoerotic asphyxiation. No way, that was yeah. the other one. Uh, the he he sets off on the mission and. At this point, we have kind of two parallel paths. One on Enterprise. One, what happens to Archer? What happens on Enterprise starts with them launching it, and to Paul withdrawing immediately to the ready room and not being on the bridge. He she goes in. She turns. She's clearly crying. She so continues to be emotionally compromised. And then, probably my favorite shot is when that continues. She's sitting at the desk. She has got a look on her face with the way her eyes like she is just she is not having it. She's lost in her emotional space. It's all in the face. It's all in just where her what her eyes are doing. And then the door chimes and suddenly she's got to fucking put it back together. Right. You got to fucking make it. you got to Look good. You got to make it like you're in command. She grabs a pad. Her facial expression completely changes like she like physically tightens it and kind of like moves her head and then beckons them to enter. And it's like that was hard to do and you did it, you know? Conveyed that without a word. And then it's Trip coming in who's trying to reach her emotionally. This scene works great too. Yes. I mean, these two have more chemistry and emotional maturity together as characters and actors than 7 seasons of everyone on Voyager, beginning and end. Hmm. maybe space mark
1: maybe space mark are we talking relationships only yes well i mean that's a very shallow pool all right again voyager what are the big uh pairings you had neelix and uh tom and balana which was so fucking i was thinking about balana as a character this morning like I'm putting her in my top three. Like, I really, really like that character by the end. And even as much as strong, I yeah. like her. Maybe top four, because I got to put Kess in there somewhere, too. Like, there's a lot of people in next gen I like a lot. But even as much as I like B'Elanna as a character, her and Paris are just fucking miserable on screen together. Uh, Space Mark and uh, Janeway Janeway. And then, of course, uh, bartender Michael and Janeway. And maybe to a certain extent. Neelix and Tuvok, and that would be my favorite pairing of of intimate encounters on Voyager. But uh, to the point, these two here, it's great. They had just made this disclosure to each other a couple episodes ago that like, turns out I like you and it turns out you like me. And, you know, there is something here. And They kind of closed it in a weird part like, oh, we're just going to be fuck buddies. But like, she's all business here. And it's get the fuck out.
0: I think that the fact that it starts with so Trip's right, right? He's correct in
1: this scene. Mm-hmm. You need to be there.
0: This is hard for everyone. The captain is dead now. Like, we have to fucking pull together and we need to move past this. Is not. And what he says is, this isn't easy for any of us. And what he is expressing is, this isn't easy for me. Like, Trip is Archer's best friend. So he's, his loss is more deeply felt than even anyone else. And who is he turning to? His intimate partner, right? He's like, I need you right now, like to be present. Like personally, he's making that appeal, not just as the now exo of the ship, not just as Commander Trip Tucker. It's no, I'm Trip, I'm kind of your boyfriend, and I kind of need you right now to be present because that's not only what your job should be, it's what I need you to do. And she just like turns to him. And says, get out. I'm not having this right now. Dismissed.
1: Dismissed. Get out.
0: Yeah. The get out was personal. You know, the dismissed was professional. The get out was, no, I need you to leave. You know.
1: Again, two ways to look at the scene. One is, gosh, uh, Archer and this human experience means a lot more to DePaul than maybe she was really prepared to admit to herself. I think there's a much more sinister way to look at this. Again, that. Something's wrong with DePaul and her shit is. I don't know if it's lingering effects from uh, Impulse and uh, her time around Trellium D. I don't know if it's her Space AIDS. Uh, what was that syndrome called?
0: Uh, yeah, I forget the name of it too. It, I, I almost said aromatic syndrome, but that's not correct.
1: She has gone through quite a few Depaul sick with something this week. Uh, she had that thing where some fucking bacterial infection, like, put her into space heat, right? That super exploitative <laughs> episode. But uh, there is some real chances that this isn't just, oh shuck, she feels bad about Archer. Like, her brain is not working right. So I'll be excited to see where that's going. I want to fold back again to Archer and his conversation with Time Zuck and with Depaul. And the steadfast dedication he has to, we need to stop these guys. Violence is the answer. Go back to Twilight and Archer experiencing the horror and pain and suffering of seeing what happens when they fail. And my desire that he was able to carry some of that trauma back in time. And again, how perfect that would fit in as an explanation of why Archer is one track violence on this or sorry, one track right. mind on the suicide run. I've seen I maybe even if he doesn't even perfectly remember, it, but like from the quantum leap, like I can't tell you exactly what happened, but I have a feeling and that feeling says that at all costs, these guys must be stopped. Can I've be literally no experienced
0: humanity's destruction as a consequence of failure, and I'm not going to fail. We're going to yeah. blow this thing up. Everything yeah. else be damned. We can talk to them after. They're yeah. building a weapon to destroy our people. That means we have to put an end to that before we do anything else. And if it's me dying,
1: or however many fucking people on Earth at this point, like, this is happening, I am traumatized. We're moving forward. Uh, shame it didn't happen, whatever. Anyways, so, meanwhile, Archer... Has his uh, insectoid ship. He flies underwater. He knows exactly where it's going to be. He comes up on the coordinates. There is a space cradle, but what's not there is the Death Star. Moops. It has been moved
0: because they knew it they had been made because guess what? Because they blew up the communications array and it put them into a security alert. And so they pull him over.
1: And uh, no. we... When we they next don't. they start shooting at him. The patrol comes along, start laying shots on him. Archer's getting knocked around the cabin. Doesn't look good. Archer dies. But lucky for Archer, he's been a good boy.
0: He goes Archer to heaven. Goes,
1: he goes to head wound heaven. <laughs> I was gonna say, like, little do they know. They think they think they're torturing him, right? they've got him chained up. Skip right past the pearly gates of St. Peter, and he goes right to heaven. And boy, let me tell you, if you were to sit there and say two episodes ago, uh, what do you think Archer's top jack off fantasy would be? It would be his arms shackled above his head in a room full of baddies, low sexy lights with some fucking shadowy grids across his, uh, (laughs) his face as everyone in the room takes turns punching him in the face, head and neck area. Over and over and over again, you can tell it's getting him hard because he he's got
0: that he's got that sexual energy in his eyes as he starts telling Talam, tell who's the uh, the head uh, uh, Zindi uh, reptilian. Oh, you know what we eat on our planet, fucking reptiles. Reptiles used to be king shits. Then a comet came around, us humans took over, and then we became the dominant species. Now we fucking eat you. That's what I do. I eat turtle soup in San
1: Francisco. Hit me again. Hit me again, so I can come right on your face. Hit me again. <laughs> I thought that the turtle soup was a little too what was too far when he's like, what took me (laughs) like legit took me out of things. They're like, tell us where everybody is and how many ships has Earth set? Like, you know, it's the same interrogation he's been through like three times at this point. Yeah, he starts telling the story about like, you know, oh, I'm going to tell you about the dinosaurs. And they're like, oh, gosh, I want to hear about the dinosaur. Oh, you the dinosaurs. They suck. They fucking died. Little do you know, Archer, dummy, the most fucking advanced species in the galaxy is actually the dinosaur people of Voyager. You fucking idiot. Uh, <laughs> yeah, they actually escaped before, yeah. the, before the, the meteor. <laughs> they just bounced. Yeah. But uh, he's like, they have brains the size of a walnut. And I stop. And in my mind, I'm like, why the fuck would this Zindi know what a walnut is? And then I'm thinking of like, just like flash, like instant uh, uh the train of thought in my brain. I'm like, how would the Zindi know what a walnut is? Clearly, there must be a universal translator in this room somewhere, right? Because uh-huh. he can't speak Zindi. So it's like walnut, a known quantity where they could be like, oh, well, walnut's the size of a micklock in Zindi. So he heard micklock like and but then he, he says it right after. Right. Like they, they he <laughs> realizes what he said was so fucking stupid. He's like, oh, so and I That felt like a page right out of the Orville, right? Like, yeah, yeah. I'm going to lay the sick burn on it. Like, uh, uh, hold on. I got to explain the joke real quick.
0: I'd love it. Like size of a walnut. It's
1: really small. uh, (laughs) You don't know what a walnut is. It's really small. Okay. Well, I'm going to punch you in the face for that after all.
0: Eventually, he manages to antagonize this guy enough that he threatens his ship and they get into negotiation stage. And he says he's willing to talk, but only to Degra. And the way that he convinces Degra to talk to him is to sell him the name of his third child. And this gets his attention. He comes to talk. He says he's only going to talk to him alone. And we find out Degra's third child did not survive to be born. And this was a clearly extraordinarily intimate detail that he has that DeGra apparently has never told anybody. And he obviously asks, like, how do you know that? And he goes, I'm not at the time for me to tell you, I tortured you pal. And then wiped your memory. (laughs) I don't think that's the way to uh, trust conversation, but uh, clearly we
1: should chit chat. Meanwhile, over on enterprise, it's been too long. There was no big boom. There's been no contact from Archer. Um, Things are not looking good. Maybe we need to start taking actions. Unfortunately, uh, to Paul's not in a mind space where she is looking at the big picture. And you know? she's hyper focused on Archer the grief. Maybe he got captured. Maybe I can fly in there with a shuttle pod and try to use diplomacy. Uh, like the only thing she says that's kind of reasonable is like, Maybe the fact I'm Vulcan will give me negotiation leverage that you as humans don't. And Trip does a pretty good job of like shooting down all her ideas and poking holes, and she's basically a bitch to him. Like, you know, he's like, what are we supposed to do? Just fly in there with, you know, everybody on the ship is supposed to go in there one at a time on shuttles. You no, know, clearly there'll only one shuttle after I'm gone like. Again, she is not in a good place
0: and to the and- point where Trip has to uh, grab her by the 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 female depowering spot which is hits the her in the weak point, point. yeah it's right in the weak point to try and prevent her from getting out to the ship she she reacts almost violently to being accosted uh, she is almost
1: if he didn't hit her in the fucking stunner and <laughs> give her the the girl stunners i mean he might have gotten popped on the neck before she has a chance to get on the shuttle pod however it becomes apparent that uh the jig is up and a uh, a boot party's flying over there to go start some shit.
0: They get into a tragic fight. Um, the the Zindi ships that have come for them outnumber them, out outfight them, and we see Enterprise get the shit kicked out of it in a way that we never have. Uh, they are taking broadsides; pieces of the hull are flying off. All the IEDs are going off on the bridge and all the places you see on the ship as we started our conversation about this episode, you get a great FX shot where like a massive phaser blast hits the, uh, the, the top part of the, the saucer piece of the hull comes off and three dudes get sucked out into space dead. I mean, it is a bad time. Bodies are starting to stack up. The ship is on the raggedy edge of possibly exploding. Um, The, the Archer stuff wraps up with, Degra being partially convinced to hear Archer out the other primate counselor being brought in the arboreal counselor
1: well, being brought in. Part of that too, is the closing of Archer and his one-on-one is like, you got to trust me. Yeah here's the, the Zindi,
0: yeah. here's the Zindi thing I got. And it's from the future.
1: There's a, there's a pog slammer. It's a good one mm-hmm. uh, on, on my arm pocket. He's <laughs> like in my right pocket, get that out. And it's like, he picked Did the you, right, right pocket. You have got like, <laughs> there's like four of them there. 40 pockets on your jumpsuit. 20 on the left side, 20 on the right side. There's a lot of perfect lineups of fate, like that Archer would just so happen, be able to get an audience effectively in front of the right people because he tried to kill them and ultimately failed and would have the opportunity to talk to Degger, And then Degger would know the exact right pocket he was talking about. Like, wow, just a, what if after what if he goes hey quantum date that thing you'll see that my talk about the future is right because he he's telling the entire thing that time zuck told him you guys are getting jerked on the entire basis of this war and that was something that was missing from uh, uh stratagem was at no point did archer say why the fuck are you doing this who's telling you this shit what did they tell you. Uh What is what is the bait? And that would seem like the obvious first question you would ask this guy if you really had him in this uh, position. Like, why did you guys and finally it comes out here through times like you're you're being lied to. You're being played. Uh, Space jelly is going to fuck the entire solar, the entire quadrant up galaxy up. It's going to start with Zindi. And, uh, you know, we need to back off this also. The reptiles and the insectoids are fucking jerk faces after all. And they need to go. (laughs) It's
0: just enough for you to buy it, right? Like the Zindi don't accept archers every word. They're skeptical. They interrogate him. They question him.
1: But he does enough to convince them that there's something to what he's saying. The other primate had like the best line. He's like, oh, so you want fucking peace and like this open dialogue. Only after you came here to fucking blow us all up and failed like fat chance, motherfucker.
0: Right. It's exactly if he didn't respond that way, it wouldn't be credible. So it's like, correct. Like, you can't just have him believe him. He has to be suspicious. This has to be something that we take time to make this turn that they obviously have
1: been foreshadowing for most of the season. Right. Like the, the You Arboreals. tell me that you just wanted to come by here and chat and just get your face punched over and over again. Like. Like you just wanted that to happen. Yeah, that's exactly. What you yeah. Do. Look yes. at my pants. Look at my pants. <laughs> I travel the galaxy for new aliens. to Give me head wounds. <laughs> that thing. That's not a tail sticking out of the front of me. That's not supposed to normally be there. I'm really enjoying this. In fact, if you wouldn't mind punching me across the jaw right now. Also props to the makeup department, because for the first time, Archer getting his fucking face punched a million times, like looks legit.
0: Yeah, it looks like it actually beat him up. He looks pretty bad. But he, he eventually convinces the, we'll call him the warm-blooded counselors present. The that good he guys. Sh- he, that he should get a chance to speak to the council. Uh, Dolom, the the uh, head lizard, comes in and is like, I find your, found your ship and I'm presently blowing
1: it up. Fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. Before that, though, also, uh, there's a big revelation that Operation Detroit was Black Ops. Yes. That, that the council... Had voted not to go with the bioweapon, the T virus. We're, we're led to believe that the sphere builder benefactor that is uh, sponsoring and, and puppeting the Zindi is a lady.
0: And has some mastery over time. And that. <laughs> that that's straight up indicated. Like, I, I know,
1: but it's like the council voted against uh, T virus. Yes, yeah, so. Uh, basically the reptilians and probably the insectoids are being treacherous and going behind our back. And then the fucking guy is like, well, if you were going to go behind the consular's back, um, doing it in the past would be a good way to hide that. It's like, uh, y- yeah, or any other fucking planetoid, <laughs> asteroid, yeah. space station, just a fucking ship. I mean, they around
0: need, they did need to get human DNA that was part of what that why they need to go to earth so going earth in the past is a lot less uh suspicious than going to earth now
1: I, again <laughs> it's just a piece of dialogue that's kind of like y- yes would you all going back in time is a good place to hide your secret research lab would you like to also tell me that air is good to breathe like we're, <laughs> this is some real <laughs> fuck um, But as you
0: said, the episode ends ultimately on Enterprise in the midst of getting the shit kicked out of it and just cut the black pick up next week. It's still going. This is still
1: happening. Archer has co-opted a healthy chunk of the Zindi upper leadership. It seems like he's got a real shot to get in front of him and, and make his plea. Also, too, man, like the entire time, especially with Enterprise getting fucking absolutely hammered, I'm like. Clearly, this is a point where fucking Shran's going to, you know, pop out of the side hatch and like even the fucking fight up. And, and you know, they haven't really had a lot of good interactions in uh, the Delphic Expanse. You look at the first two seasons and there's a lot of like Enterprise doing good Voyager 2, like, oh, you know, look at all these people we've helped along the way. And like at any point you're going to have this ragtag out of people to help you. That hasn't really happened in the Delphic Expanse at all. You've got no. kind of good relations with Shran, more or less, but other than that, like You've met no one useful to your space cowboys. Maybe a fucking the posse will show up with like fish bowls over their head, like <laughs> shooting their fucking guns.
0: They're like orcs from 40k, all of their technology works because they believe in it. And I guess like what, the the telepath, the spice dealer, these are these are who they've got. <laughs> not yeah, not be... enough.
1: The the spice dealer, but not the trader. Uh Rajin. I guess that could have been the ace in the hole that somehow she could have done something to sabotage one of the ships. Again, real miss that she doesn't get to be in the um uh, the series anymore because I thought she was pretty cool. But yeah, uh count fuckface for whatever god. Man, if that guy like did like unleashed a psychic storm or something, that'd be cool, but so yeah, Enterprise ends up in a real bad spot. Archer is right where he wants to be, and it's being tortured with mostly head punches. Uh, and again, Degra comes out of this as a great contender for uh, guest star reoccurring character.
0: Yeah. He, he treats what's going on with a amount of gravitas in his performance that had to be hard to capture, right? Like what a complex set of motivations. Like, I feel like I have to do this because I have evidence that my race will be destroyed if I don't, but I'm, I'm working on weapons that'll blow up billions and working with people I don't trust. Now I've got this human who's shown up now. Maybe I need to trust him, but wait a second. I've been previously
1: convinced that he's my enemy.
0: That's a lot to give to me. I don't
1: want to be doing what I'm doing. Yeah. He said he came from a, a role in education, right? So like this dude wasn't just a fucking weapons maker that struck big and you know they they decided to go with him like he left a peaceful profession to work on a weapon of mass destruction and is fundamentally not okay with it so um and again everybody should have the fucking emotional baggage like we had our own planet until uh you know the fucking insectoids and the uh reptiles blew it up and ruined it for all of us. And now hearing that they're going behind our backing, like lots of emotions for these guys. What are we watching next week, man? I'm ready for it already. I want to get to it. All right. After this, we're going to go into uh season three, episode 19 damage. I almost don't want to read the, the what the fucking capsule is going to be. Cause I don't want to spoil anything for myself.
0: Uh, how about this? I'll read it. Uh The enterprise crew must cope with devastating damage uh, to the ship. And I'll just leave it there.
1: So they obviously they survive. Everybody doesn't fucking die. <laughs> yeah,
0: the Show continues. But other than that, yeah. God, what like... if
1: that was a send off? It's like, you know, we're going to get a bunch of new crew members because we, we don't feel like this Hoshi Mayweather characters are working in Reed to a certain extent. So we're going to use we're just <laughs> going to Mayweather was one of those bodies like, oh, no, <laughs> we're going to have the gumption we didn't have to fucking kill off uh, Garrett Wong and and uh, fucking. Harry Kim, and we're just we're in a really clean house. That would have been like, a hell of a way to fucking send them off, though. Like it's true. Big old massive attack
0: just vaporizes one of them.
1: We know it really, really set
0: some stakes, right? Like we damn. know that
1: we've killed Tasha Yar and we know that we've killed Cass uh, more or less and whoever the fuck died in Deep Space Nine. But did you know we've got the balls to kill three of the main bridge crew in one attack? I would have liked it if they'd killed
0: Reed. And then, like straight up, replace them with Major Hayes. After last week, when he's like has to, or two weeks ago, when they did the insectoid episode. No, it was last week. Yeah, absolutely. It that would week. be uh, that would be perfect. But they didn't do it.
1: Yeah, but, I mean, it, it, I'll tell you right now. Like, even getting rid of the fact that like Reed is a slimy character, I don't enjoy on screen. Like, I I don't know. Maybe killing the security officer is a little cliche, but again, he's not really security. He's just fucking super science guy. He would have been, he's just such a blank slate. Nobody knows anything about him. He doesn't really have any great, he likes pineapple upside down cake. There's, this guy's got nothing going from, it's, it's an easy character to jettison. He's brought nothing to the interest table. What's
0: not easy to jettison is that we've been active more on YouTube, putting up our little mess hole conversations that Peter and I have as we warm up to do our podcast. So if that is of interest to in you, go like, share, and subscribe on YouTube, 20 minutes a week. count on that at least maybe maybe more if we feel up to it and we always appreciate you following along on the show on email twitter facebook discord all the links are out there come join us thanks